Amen. I love that song because it speaks about the ancient, let fresh and new word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I think you guys have turned into a bunch of Presbyterians. I, y'all forgot how to say amen. I tell you. Now, you understand, maybe I've not said this in a while because I know we've been preaching some pretty straightforward stuff. Let, let me say this. When you say amen to something, it's not like a lifelong commitment, like you join the army, you raise your hand, I, you know. It's not that at all. It's just saying, okay, I, I agree with that, okay? And that kind of leads into the introduction for the message. This kind of, I, I agree with that, amen. You know, we are celebrating today 235 years as a nation. 235 years as a nation. And I, you know, I try to count myself as somewhat of a historian a little bit. I'm not, I'm not crazy about it, but I like, I like history. And... I know I learned about the Revolution, Revolution, uh, Revolutionary War, you know, in school. And well, we have this thing called Netflix. Anybody have Netflix? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It really is. If you look under docu- documentaries, you'll find something called the American Revolution. It's a 13-part series of 45 minutes each about the war for independence, the events leading up to the war, and then the war. And I watched all but the last one. I haven't got the last one watched yet, but we got President Washington in, you know, and those kind of things. But anyway, I came away from that going, it is an absolute miracle that we made it. I mean, we knew nothing but defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. And they love this story. And I heard the story before that particularly when things were going really bad for America, that a British officer had George Washington in his sights. He was a sharpshooter. And back then, and it's the custom of war, you didn't shoot the officers. And he realized, of course, that if he would just pull the trigger, that the commander-in-chief of the American army would be killed. And he chose not to do it. And I've heard that story before outside that context. And I see that as nothing more than the providence of God. The providence of God. We are a nation today because God's hand was on this country. And we need to get back to the basics of life. That believe that this country was founded on biblical principles, on the word of God. And we drifted away from that. And uh, we celebrate our freedoms. Aren't you glad that we can preach the word of God? We can live the word of God. We can worship as we see fit because of the freedoms that were purchased by the blood of men and women throughout these last 235 years. And more blood will be shed later on. Yeah, amen. That's a time to applause. It really is. But we also celebrate today the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. And that's really a significant event. Now, I don't know what day it was released. I could not find that. But we do know in 1611, this, this edition of the Bible, this translation of the Bible was made available to the common man. And, and you know, I, I want to just a little bit, kind of a little bit of history there, too, is that the reason we have the King James Bible today was because in 1604, there was kind of a conflict. And you had the Church of, Church of England, the Anglians, okay, and then you had the Puritans, all right? And the Puritans were like more conservative, and the Anglicans were just a little more liberal, and they couldn't agree on a translation. And so finally King James says, enough already, all right, enough. We'll come up with a new translation. And there were several rules, and one of the rules of the new translation was is that the references could all had to be removed, and there would be no reference to anybody's theology as far as what the Anglicans believed and what the Puritans believed. And that work took all those years, seven years, and at the end of seven years, we have what we now call the King James Bible. 
And for 400 years, of course, it came to America. When, when everybody came from England, uh, it just came right on over. And for a long, long time, it was the mainstay of the, of the American Christian church for translations. And over the years, many other good and valuable translations have been added to that. And like I say today, we don't celebrate necessarily the King James Bible as much as we celebrate the fact that we are allowed to have the Word of God. You know, I'm 57 years old, and you've heard that story before. And yes, I was raised on the King James Bible. And, and now I do preach mainly from other translations, but I still love and honor the King James. In fact, our scripture today is taken from the King James uh, Bible today. I still honor that. But you know, when I was growing up, there was a certain reverence for the Word of God. Um, see if you know this song and sing with me if you do, okay? The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Now, you do Bible in, don't you? Go, Bible. And you know what? We just believe that. I mean, the Bible was the Word of God for me. That's just how I was raised and how many of you were raised. There was a certain reverence for the Bible that, that somehow has waned away. And so through the years then, what we've seen is we see a transition to where a lot of people have gotten what the Word of God is all about. Um, for instance, like when I was growing up, you brought your Bible to church. In fact, do you remember the little envelopes? He used to check off the marks, you know, read my Bible daily, brought my Bible, staying for worship. Come on, y'all remember this? Study the lesson and you wanted to get 100%. In order to get 100%, you had to take your Bible to, to church, okay? And you had to mark that you read the thing um, throughout the way. And that's just the way it was. And we grew up it. Well, all of a sudden, somewhere, somewhere along the way, we forget often to bring the textbook to church. And the reason we had the words say, well, Dwayne, why do you put the words on the screen for? It's because we want to make sure, in case you didn't bring your Bible, notice my language, in case you didn't bring your Bible, that it's available on the screen for you. But as your pastor, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Amen? You just ought to do that. Somehow we've gotten away from that. And then, over the last 15 years, maybe 20 years, as a pastor, what I've seen is, I've seen a gradual moving away from hearing and doing. We still come to church, and we still hear the preacher preach the Word of God, okay? We often read the Bible in the mornings in our quiet time, our devotional time. But what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing that transforming power of the Word of God in our lives. In other words, we come in... And we listen to the preaching, and basically we go, yeah, we may feel a little guilty, but yeah. And then we go out for the same way we came in, and there's no, no power there. And you might be wondering what these signs are about, and they're going to stay up for a couple of weeks, because you're going to hear this message again in three weeks, a different title, different, different scriptures, but the same thought, because I think it's that important. I almost feel like a pastor sometimes, and I'm sure Brent and David feel this way also. In fact, every pastor does. Is that we're, we're side the road, and we're holding this big old cardboard sign up, and it says, Warning! Bridge out! And as people continue to drive by, and you hear, Oh! Oh! And we don't see anybody turning around. And it, it's the product of the church today, so that we hear the Word of God, but we don't let the Word of God change us. I guess that's the reason. Maybe this is why it's happened. I know you can't see this, but I'll tell you what it is. Some of you up close can. This is called How to Do Just About Everything. 
How to do, it's a nice thick book, and it tells you how to do plumbing, there's pest control, acquiring a dog or cat. And by the way, um, my son-in-law, Blake, has two rats he'd like to give away with cages. If you'd like to acquire a rat today, see me and I can fix you up. All right? I don't mind a rat living in your house. I just don't want a rat in my house. All right? Conditions and treatments, fashion and grooming, all these. Now, we don't see this as an authority in our lives. This is a reference guide. You know, it kind of tells us how to do life. And I really think that's the problem, is that we've taken this wonderful book that is the Word of God, and we've turned it into a reference guide. You know, a kind of how-to-do life. And it is a how-to-do life book, but it's not a book of suggestions. It's a book of commandments. It's written by the God of the universe, the God of the universe, and it's got power and it's got authority, but we treat it like it's just another book. Now, I want to tell you at the onset, this is more than just another book. So what we want to do today is we want to look at the Word of God. I've taken four scriptures that really are the main key passages about God's Word. And I want to take the first two this morning, and then we're going to do the last two tonight. So, yes, we're having church tonight at 6 o'clock. In fact, we've got a fellowship coming with finger foods. If you'll bring them, we'll eat them. And then a birthday cake for the King James Bible and for our country. So come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a time of celebration. But the first scripture I want to look at today is a wonderful scripture that talks about freedom and it talks about the Word of God. It speaks about truth. And it's John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Now take your Bibles, or look on the screen, but take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8, 31 and 32. And my catchy little point was this, was called eye-opener. I hope this is an eye-opening experience for you. I hope you go, oh, all right? Can you go, oh, go, oh, yeah, I like that. That's what I hope will happen as we speak. And this is a very famous passage of Scripture. At least the second part is. And the first part is more or equally as powerful. Here's what the Bible says. Now, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jews. He's doing some teaching. Okay? Over here are some the Pharisees. And they're not in the camp at all. They're there to judge him and point their finger at him and try to condemn him. But then there's a big group of people over here that they're just kind of neutral right now. They're not really in. They're not really out. They're just kind of there. You know, they're there for see if bread and fish pure again. You know, and they're kind of doing a cool thing. But over here is that core group of disciples. So you got three groups of people going on, okay? And Jesus is teaching, and he's seeing this. Well, first off, well, here he's going. You know, I see that when I preach on money sometimes. Okay? And then, then, over here, you got the boys, and they're, <laughs> the boys are going, amen, that's right, Jesus, amen, that's right. Pre- preacher, preacher. But then you've got this group in the middle, and they're kind of going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've got three things going on. Okay, so here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to those disciples which believed on him. Now, time out. He says to those, sorry, those Jews that believed on him. Time out. Some translation, the New King James says, who believed him. The English Standard Version believed in him. Uh, King James says, on him. The important thing you've got to know is, is the idea behind this is not commitment, but agreement. In other words, as Jesus is teaching these things, as he's saying these things, they're just kind of going, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what the idea of belief is here. It's not a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. They're kind of nodding. In fact, if you've ever been to a political rally, okay, 
There are some people there who made the commitment to vote for that particular candidate. But there's a big group of people there who are just to find out the issues, to find out where the person stands. And if you watch the crowd, when the politician says something that they agree with, they'll kind of go, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And they're not making a commitment to follow or for to vote for that man. They're making a commitment that at that point they agree with him. And, and that's what's happening here. There's not a commitment, but there's agreement. And I want to tell you a real danger. I think in America, a lot of people do exactly that. They come to church and they say, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. I even believe the Bible is the Word of God. And so, so when I talk about God, they go, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. And when I preach about Jesus, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. When I preach about the Bible, they say, oh, yeah, the Bible. Mama made me read that. I had to take it to Sunday school when I was a kid. Don't read more about taking it. I used to take it. Oh, yeah, the Bible. Mm-hmm. But there's not been that commitment. Okay? In fact, what's really funny is, these same guys, if you read the end of chapter 8, some of the same people were going to pick up rocks and stone Jesus. You know why? They no longer agreed with him. They said some things, he said some things that they didn't agree with, and they picked up stones, and the Bible says that Jesus snuck away. They're going to stone him. And why some people come to church for a while, and they go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they're in agreement about God. They're in agreement about Jesus. They might even be in agreement that the Bible's the Word of God, but they never make that commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And my fear is in our country that a lot of people have agreed about God, they've agreed about Jesus, and they agreed about the Bible, but they have not made a commitment. In fact, we said it just a few weeks ago, that Jesus called, or God calls us to a commitment and then a journey. And my question to you today is, have you made that commitment? Not, not were you baptized when you were eight. Not somewhere in your past, the Bible preached on hell, fire, and brimstone. If you don't repent of your sin, then you're going to hell. And you said, I don't want to go to hell. So you prayed a prayer. Didn't change anything. You're still just as hedonistic as you were before. But you prayed a prayer. Or has it been a life transforming and changing point in your life. In other words, yeah, there is a prayer, but your faith in Jesus that accompanied that prayer, the sincerity of that prayer, puts you on a different path for the rest of your life. If you've not made that commitment, you need to. See, in my case, a couple preachers preached persuasive messages and scared me and to pray in a prayer. But not until I was 21 years old did I meet Jesus Christ as Savior. And since I met Jesus, I'm not perfect, y'all. Lord knows y'all know that. But since I met Jesus Christ at age 21 in 1975, my path has been different. And I want to invite you today to that kind of commitment. So Jesus is saying, these people, he's talking to them, and he said, there are some people here who are agreeing with me. Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Look what he says. Now, I'm going to struggle with the ye's today. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I slip out of you, please be tolerant. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples also. Let me DK change it. I used to say it that way. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. He's not saying, if you'll just agree with me, you're my disciple. 
He says, if you agree with me and you continue on that path, then truly you are my disciple. You know what I find amazing, Brent? That word continue is the same word that we discovered in John chapter 15 and verse number 5. Jesus said there, if you can say it with me, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abides in me shall bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That word abide is the exact same word as our word continue here. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. If you, if you want to live inside my word, if you want to follow my teachings, if you allow the teachings to get in you and begin to change you, then you are my disciples. Now, all he's saying is this is that our obedience and hunger for the Word of God is a big old birthmark. Have you ever seen birthmarks before? You see people with just large birthmarks. Good news is, it means they were born. Okay? This is a big old birthmark for us. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, if you go to church 52 times a week... He didn't say if we dress a certain way, if we use a certain translation, such as the King James or New Living or English Standard Version. He said, if you'll get into my word and let your word get into me, that's a huge birthmark that you belong to me. If you abide in me. Let me read to you from Psalms 1. We preach this Sunday night on our Wednesday night service. Our Wednesday night service, I'll say night. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's what it means to, Im- to immerse yourself, to abide in the Word of God. He, he, you delight in it. You, you can't wait. You know, there's this... Somebody said every, every sermon I preach has a food reference, and it does. It does. You know, like first thing, Lucy Mayer sitting back there. And Lucy makes this incredible coconut pie. And sometimes she'll say, I'm going to make you a coconut pie. My, my spit glands, what do we call them things? The things that make the juice start. I just, salivatory glands, salivary glands. Then things start kicking in, and I just start rolling, rolling down my foot, just thinking about that. I mean, that puppy, that puppy is that tall. And I just go, oh, I can't wait. And, and what he's saying is, when we delight in the Word of God, that's how we are for the Word of God. We, we don't view it as a how-to-do-everything guide. We don't see it as, as a rule book and doing this to us. We love it. We love it. And I tell you what, if you'll just get a proper understanding of the Word of God as a child of God, you will learn to love it that very way. He delights in the Word of God. And watch this. He meditates in it day and night. He ingests it day and night. He molds it over day and night. He ponders it day and night. And what that means is this. You know, when I eat breakfast in the morning, it goes with me. Well, normally... Unless I'm sick or something and hurl. It goes with me. That food 
becomes a part of me. I carry it with me. And when we meditate on the Word of God, it goes with us and it changes how we act. When the jerk pulls out in front of you, if you had a good dose of the Bible, you might just respond differently. When your kids are just about to drive you crazy and don't look at me like, not my kids, I've been to your house. I talked to their Sunday school teacher. No, it's, you just might act differently if you've ingested and meditated on the Word of God. When you're tempted to do something that might be unethical, you just don't do it because you've ingested the Word of God. He delights in the Word of God and he meditates on it day and night and constantly is with him. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you will continue, if you will abide in my teachings, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you are the real deal. Well, Dwayne, are you saying today that if a person prayed a prayer when he was 12, and ever since that day, not didn't make it for six months, didn't make it for, ever since that day, he's the same old Henri Cuss? Are you saying he probably didn't get the real deal? Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Dwayne, so you're saying that, that if I pray a prayer and there's no change in my life, there's no ingestion, there's no hunger, that there might be a problem? Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus said that when we are his disciples indeed, there is just something that craves in us him, God, and the Word of God. Hmm. So that means one of two things. Either A, we need to get saved today, or two, you need to say, God created me a hunger for your word. Because see, culture doesn't lead us in this direction. Culture says, add God today. Jesus says, make me your day. You ever know what Clint Eastwood? Go ahead and make my day. Jesus says, go ahead and make me your day. Come on, y'all. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it can change you radically. And last time I checked, this old book, this book knows how to do life. It's written by the one who created you. It knows you better than you know yourself. And if you'll ingest this and meditate on it and abide in it, not only will you be a disciple, you'll be a happier person. Happier person. Then he goes on and says this. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, the truth won't set you free. Knowing the truth sets you free. What's that word know mean? It, know, it means to know by experience. I waited a long time for a grandson. And when Beck and Jonathan told me that they were having a boy, a couple of thoughts crossed my brain. One of them was, what do you do with him? I didn't know if you did things different, you know. I mean, little girls, you put in your lap and you cuddle with them and stuff. I didn't know if a, a grandson came just kind of knocked him on the shoulder and said, oh, boy. And then I felt like a child abuser because he's only like, going to be like a day old. So I didn't know what to do with him, Okay. And was it going to be all that expected to be? So he was born. 
and came out, and all he wanted to do was be with his mom. Like, I was really disappointed. I thought he'd say, I don't care if you, you, you're feeding me or not, Mom. I want to be with the boys. I want to go out in the backyard and shoot the gun with Dad. I want to I crawl in Paul Paul's lap. No. Yeah. little glob of flesh. Could care less for the boys. All he wanted was her. And this went on for months. And I said to myself, I've waited, and I've waited, and I've waited, and I've waited for this grandson. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Give me another granddaughter. Well, all of a sudden, he started to move. All of a sudden, he started to have a little bit of personality. His world didn't revolve around his mama anymore. He started looking a little bit further along, and that was kind of exciting. And then we started waiting for the day when he would walk. And I can just imagine, you know, because I, I think like a two, two-year-old because, well, never mind, we won't go there. But I think like a two-year-old, and, and I can imagine in his head, he's going, I see these people doing this, this walking thing. And you know, I would really like to do that. And so I've been in his mind when he turned about 12 months old, we're all ready for him to do it, you know. And he's thinking about it because I've not quite mastered it yet. But one day, he stood on his little legs. And then he found out he moved his legs one at a time. He could make forward motion and a lot of downward motion, like plop. So what he did was he held on to Becca's finger or Pawpaw's finger or Judy's finger or Daddy's finger, anybody's finger. And, and he would want to walk, but he wouldn't go anywhere without a finger and we wanted to say, suck it up, buttercake. Cup, it's time to walk. Come on, son, be a man. No, no, I've got to have the finger. He knew in his brain he wanted to walk. He knew that's what you do. But he just couldn't let go of the finger. And then one day, almost as if by magic, he stood up. He forgot that the finger wasn't there, and he took a step. He took three, he took four. Yeah, then he collapsed, but hey, that's how you do it. And before long, that little glob of flesh that could only dream about walking knew it by experience. And it didn't happen when I said to him, come on, son, be a man. It didn't happen when his daddy said, let go of the finger. It happened when he did it. And it's the same way when Jesus says, and you shall know the truth. It's taking head knowledge into action. It's taking head knowledge. It's not coming and listening to a sermon. It's not going to a Sunday school class and listening to a lesson. It's not even just reading the Word of God. It's putting feet to the words and the knowledge. It's putting action to the knowledge. And he says, when you do that, when you know the truth, think person, think precept. When you know the person, what person? Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the, say it louder, the truth and the life. When you know by experience, truth, the person. And you also know by experience, truth, the precept. Thy word is truth. Then the truth, the person, and truth, the precept, 
will set you free. And when I stand up here and preach, I, I can be very candid with you, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't see a lot of freedom. I see people in bondage to habits. I see people in bondage to sin. I see people in bondage to life. I see people in bondage to culture. And Jesus Christ came to set us free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of culture. He came to set us free. But I'm going to tell you, you can go to church until you're 95 years old. But until you'll move from hearing to doing, you'll never be set free. That's what Jesus was saying. You shall know the truth. Truth the person. Truth the precept. And knowing that truth, the person, the precept, is going to set you free. And we said in Sunday school class, Judy, that's a choice only you can make. We're talking about marriage. The kind of marriage we have is a choice we make. And no pastor, I don't care if his name is Joe Olstein or Billy Graham, no pastor can set you free. But the Word of God and the person of God can. If you'll apply it and live it out in your life. What happens if you don't? What if you're planting? What you're you're going to harvest? But He longs to set His people free. That's eye-opening, I hope. Because I just just know that somewhere there's someone today in financial bondage. And you're going, I just wish it was different. Someone's in in a marriage bondage situation. I just wish it was different. Someone's in jealousy or envy. I just wish it was different. And you know how it's different? Knowing the person by experience. Knowing the precept by experience. Moving from reference guide... To the authority of God's word. That's the only I can offer you today. You're saying, uh, you got anything else preach? No. No, I'm sorry. All I've got is moving from this to thus saith the Lord. And doing what thus saith the Lord. Well, I don't like that. I'll, I'll go find me a new preacher. Well, if it's worth his it, salt, he's going to tell you the same thing. And you may like his preaching style for a while. You like the music for a while. But until you nail down your heart as a follower of Jesus Christ, that I'm going to do the Word of God, you won't find the happiness you're looking for. You won't find the fulfillment you're looking for. Well, what is this truth anyway? You, you keep saying it's the Word of God. Aren't you glad the deacons didn't together and write something? Aren't you glad the pastoral staff didn't get together and come up with something? Well, there's another great scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 that tells us about the Word of God. And what it's good for. So take your Bibles and turn there or look on the screen. And I call this, I exam. I exam. Here's what it says. All Scripture. Time out. All Scripture. Would you say all Scripture? All Scripture. Does that mean the Old Testament? Hmm? See, just because we have a New Testament doesn't mean the Old Testament is not the Word of God. The New Testament, in many ways, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And certainly Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. But the Old Testament is still valid law. It's still valid word of God. All right? So is it the New Testament too? So we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. All Scripture. You know what that means? (laughs) You know what that means? The parts that you like, that's the word of God. Come on, say amen. 
And the part you don't like, that one that speaks about forgiving your rotten neighbor that you can't stand, guess what? It's Scripture. It's Scripture. That part that says you got to love your spouse, but they're totally like unlovable. The, the one that says, you know, you got to love your teenager when you really want to take them and help them to see backward by twisting their head around. Yep, it's Scripture. You know the ones that are easy for you? That's Scripture. Hey, 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 you know the things that are hard? They're Scripture too. All this is the Word of God. That's why I can't pick and choose. That's why I have to stand up sometimes and preach some really hard things. Because I was called, when I was called to preach, was to preach the whole Word of God. The whole counsel of God. And to do otherwise makes me an unfaithful minister. It's true of him. It's true of him. You know, the pastor in here. You wouldn't want me to be, or them to be, anything but faithful as pastors teaching the Word of God. All Scripture. And what is this? Is given by inspiration of God. Literally, in the Greek, it is God breathed. This is not just some historical document. This is the living, the holy, the real, the authentic, living word of God. It is God breathed. It is God's revelation of himself to us. Himself to us. And it is inspired. It's not a reference guide. It's just not a book of suggestions. It is God's way to do life inspired and breathed out by Him. And you can trust it. You know, it's impressive, I suppose, that we're celebrating the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. But do you understand? We have, we have copies of manuscripts that date 1,000 B.C. in the Old Testament. Do you understand there's more documentation for the life of Jesus Christ than any other ancient historical figure? That should thrill your heart. Do you understand there's more documentation of Jesus' life than any emperor in the Roman times combined? It's a book that has survived because it's alive. Because it's the Word of God. It's not a reference guide. It's not some dream that people came up with. It's the living Word of God. You know what's really cool? You know, there's a big Muslim influence in the world today. And the, the Koran, now this comes from Muslims. This isn't a Baptist preacher. The Koran is what the Muslims call a progressive revelation. In other words... Muhammad received revelations from God, Allah. And as those revelations were given, they would often contradict one another. Now, this is them. They, they understand this. And they have a group of scholars whose job is, is to determine what the latest revelation is so they'll know which one to follow. Does that make sense? Well, no, I mean, it doesn't make sense. But does that make sense? So, so they have scholars who set up to determine which is the latest revelation from, from Allah to Muhammad so they'll know to obey it. Won't know why we ain't got one of them? Because it doesn't contradict itself. If you start in Genesis, 
The word is Jesus. Come on, Baptists. If you start in Genesis, it's the blood. If you start in Genesis, it's Jesus. If you go all the way to the end of the book of the Revelation, it's the, it's the blood. And it is Jesus Christ. There is no progressive revelation because God got it right the first time. Telling you what. That's thrilling. That's thrilling. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's given by inspiration of God. And then he says this. It's profitable. It's good for. There's some books that are just good for nothing. This is a good one. It says it's profitable. Dwayne, what's it profitable for? Now, we've alluded these things, and so we won't say long, okay? It's profitable for doctrine. Okay. So, doctrine is teaching about God. Teaching about God. Say, teaching about God. Okay. So, question. If you want to know about God, where should you turn? The Bible. If you want to know about God, you turn to the Bible. And what, God, what God's Word says about God is authentic. Now, if Billy Graham stands up and says something contrary to the Word of God, if Joe Wolstein, if Dwayne Taylor stands up and says something that's contrary to the Word of God, discard it. Because the Word of God trumps every time. Trumps every time. So it's profitable for learning about God. Why? It's God's revelation of himself to mankind. It is profitable for doctrine. That was the easy one. I think it's a little harder. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof, reproof is the identification of sin. The word of God tells us what sin is because we're confused. Because we think we can cheat on our wives or husbands and somehow it's a mistake. Let me tell you what a mistake is. A mistake is in your checkbook when you add 6 and 4 and get 12. That's a mistake. When you, when you cheat on your wife or your husband, when you embezzle money from your company, when you lie or when you steal or when you gossip or when you're jealous or you're envious, those are sins. And guess what tells us about sin? The Word of God. It's profitable for that. Because God wants us to know what offends Him. And sin offends Him. You know, Brent, you are doing a good job in Judaism. I appreciate these two brave warriors, amen, this morning. I said, sin offends God. Not just adultery. Not just drunkenness. Not just drug abuse. Not just child abuse. Sin offends God. And this tells us what sin is. It's profitable for reproof. But here's the good part. It doesn't stop there. Because it's also profitable for correction. This is sin. This is how you fix it. This is sin. This is how... Aren't you glad for that? I mean, you doesn't leave you hanging out there. This is sin. And this is how you fix it. It involves confession. It involves repentance. It may involve going to someone. It may involve throwing your TV in the river. Or selling your car. Or breaking a friendship that you can't quit gossiping with. It tells us how to fix it. But it's only profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction, but for instruction. Instruction. Let me get the King James Version. 
that, uh, excuse me, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. For instruction in right living. Righteousness is right living. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I can't verify this yet. And the time I can verify it, he won't remember. But if I could get in Ethan's brain right now, first off, that'd be very interesting. If I could get in Ethan's brain right now, and I would say, Ethan, this is Paul. Paul, Tell me, what inspired you to walk? How did you know that was something to do? And he would say, because I saw y'all doing it. And it looked like something I needed to do. The word instruction there literally means child rearing. Child rearing. This book is profitable to tell a person how to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and how to teach them to live. This book tells a man the way to heaven and how to live in the journey getting there. Wow. Are you, are you like sitting there going, so why are you trying to say, make yourself clear. Are you trying to say the word of God is just like way important? Boy, am I ever. And not just reading it and not just hearing it preached about. Doing it. Applying it. Ingesting it in your lives. In fact, that's what how Paul ends talking to young Timothy. He says that the man of God. Now, really, he's talking about pastors here. I won't lie to you, but it applies to all of us. That the man of God may be perfect. King James, literally in the in the Greek, mature, mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, what the Air Force used to call a well-rounded individual. It wasn't taught to me for the weight program. Well-rounded. A fruitful, abundant believer in Jesus Christ. That's it. So, you know, if you're like experiencing that right now, yo. But if you're sitting there today and you're going, you know, I'm, you know really, Dwayne, if I were to be candid with you and be really honest with you, I'm not real happy as a believer. And you know what? It does seem like my marriage could be better and my life could be better. And you know, I keep doing these certain things. The answer is the Word of God. Not just reading. And not just leaving here going, you know, I feel a little bit guilty. That was a real good religious experience today. It's allowing that to get into your life and changing you. Doing that sounds almost supernatural. Uh Uh-huh. It is. Because see, God's supernatural. It's kind of like, if, if we can explain it, God didn't do it. You know, we know God does something. We just can't explain it. That's what I'm talking about. There are people in this room who will tell you, I had this issue in my life. I had that sin in my life. This issue in my life. And all of a sudden, God took care of it when I believed Him. Can I have a witness? Yeah. 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 Word of God speak. So God invites you today on a journey. It begins with not agreeing with Him. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It's a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Son of God. Agreeing that you have sinned against Holy God. Agreeing that He's holy and you're not. And agreeing there's nothing you can bring to the table. Nothing. It's by faith, believing in Jesus Christ. And then, that commitment to follow Him, not till the problem goes away, 
Not till it gets easier, but for the rest of your life. And in following him, believing that the word of God is the word of God. Not a reference guide. It's the rule book for life. And I know rule's a bad word because it implies negative. It's not. If y'all, if y'all play basketball, aren't you glad they got rules? When you're 5'8 and the other guy's 6'4 and that weighs you about 50 pounds, aren't you glad for rules? Can I have an amen? Uh-huh. Those kind of rules. to kind of protect you. And walk in that rest of your life. If you've never made that commitment, I want to invite you today. Brent's going to be standing down front. And I'd like for you to come and say, okay, I want to know about this commitment. I want to know about this book and how it works in my life through Jesus Christ. And we'll be glad to share with you that news today. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this should be incredible news to you. Incredible news. Reteaching, relearning some incredible news that this book is living. This book is power. This book is authority. And this book is the pathway to happiness in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Well, Father, I just want to thank you for the privilege of sharing today. I pray it made sense to him, God. I pray it will. I know the Holy Spirit is the only one who can make it come alive, Father. And I pray for people today it came alive. For my friend here today who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, may today, today be that day. May today be the day they make a commitment to follow the living Son of God. I pray that. Father, for us who know Jesus Christ, may today be the day when you determine that your word is your word and we agree to follow it. We meditate on it. We ingest it. We mull it over. We apply it. When it's easy and when it's hard. When it's easy and when it's hard. We're going to trust you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.